Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. So I want you to do me a favor. Between now and Christmas, between now this day and the day that we have our, our Christmas special service, Christmas at Passion, I want you to be praying. Write down five names of individuals that you're going to invite. And listen, do me a favor. I don't want other church folk. Amen. They got a church. I don't want them. I don't want you to invite your friend that's a deacon or a praise and worship leader at another church. I don't want them. I want you to invite that friend or family member or co-worker that is either lost or doesn't go to church. That's who I want. And I don't know about you. I'm a pastor and I have friends that aren't saved. So I'm pretty sure you do. Because here's the thing. I don't want to pack the house with people that just come to watch a beautiful production. I'm going to pack the house with some messed up people that maybe, just maybe, when they hear the greatest story ever told, they'll give their heart and life to Christ. And for this Christmas, the greatest gift was not the gift you received, but the greatest gift was the gift that you gave of an invitation for someone to come to the house of the Lord and hear the gospel. And listen, let me make this promise. If you get them here, I'll tell them about Jesus. If you get them here, I'll do everything I can to change their eternal destination. Amen. Will you do that for me? Amen. I heard a story recently. The story went like this. When Coach Bobby Bowden played baseball in college, his senior year at Howard College, he was the only player that year that had not hit a home run. He hit a line drive against Auburn, and as he approached third, the coach was waving him on, go, go, go. As he made his turn, he heard the third boat coach base, I mean, third coach base, I can't talk, third base coach say, hurry, hurry. And he makes it to home and the place roars. Everybody's patting him on the back. Everybody shaking his hand. They're all excited. He got a home run. And about that time, you hear the first baseman say, throw me the ball, throw me the ball. The catcher gets and throws the ball to the first base and the ump goes, out. In his rush, in his hurry, he missed first base. I share that story with you today because if you miss first, it can mess up everything else. There's a principle in the Bible that I'll talk to you about today called the principle of the first or the principle of the first fruits. Last week, Pastor Jaws talked to you about the tithe. But see, you can't talk about the tithe and not mention the first fruits. How many know today God wants to be first in your life? 
wants to be the number one, the most important. If I could give a title to my sermon today, my title would be this, First Things First. Look with me in Genesis chapter four, beginning with verse two. And it said, later she gave birth to her brother, to her, to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soul. In the course of time, and I want you to remember this, that little part there sets up the whole story. In a course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering. Fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Remember that. The Lord would favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? And I want you to hear this right here. This is so important. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you. But you must rule over it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the word that we're about to receive. God, I pray that every heart and every mind to be open to receive, God, what you've got in store. And Lord, I pray today that not one, not one would leave this house the same way that they came, but be blessed by your word and your presence. In Jesus' mighty name. And the body of Christ said, amen and amen. We see in this passage here in Genesis that two brothers will bring an offering to God. The Bible says one is accepted and one isn't accepted. Theologians for years have argued what this means. Some say it's because, as you look here, one brought an animal sacrifice. But as you study this passage here, it's, it's not about it being an animal sacrifice. There are two phrases that you'll see in the middle of Genesis chapter four that begin to lay out a principle that is important for you and me as believers when it comes to serving God. And what I'll talk about today, first things first. You remember Bobby Bowden running around those bases? Listen, it didn't matter all the other bases he hit. If he missed the first one, then the home run was nullified. And I share that with you today because many times what we do in our life is we want to give God the, the leftovers. We many times want to give God what we've got remaining. We many times don't give God the first and think what we give God is enough when at the end of the day, God wants you to understand he wants to be number one in your life. And as we look at this passage here, 
We'll find out in, in a few moments that, that Abel made the right decision. He brought his firstborn to God. But the Bible tells us that Cain brought his in a course of time to God. So I want you to write this down. Number one, it's not a tithing issue. It's a timing issue. It's not a tithing issue. It's a timing issue in the course of time. So in other words, what happened is, is Abel brought his firstborn and presented it to God. If you begin to read in, in, in uh, Exodus 34, verse 26, it says this, bring the best of the first fruits of your soul to the house of the Lord your God. So we find out right here, it's not about an animal sacrifice, but what God is saying that we are to bring to God the first fruits of whatever we have. And what happens is, Abel brings to God the first of his flock. The Bible tells us what happens with Cain is, is that Cain, in essence, goes and stores some away, goes and eats some of his, his fruits, his harvest, that Cain went and maybe gave some away, and eventually, in a course of time, he brought it to God. Now, at this moment, God doesn't really care for it. At this moment, God doesn't really want it. In essence, let me give you an example when it comes to the tithe. Last week, Pastor Josh talked about the tithe. What is the tithe? It's very simple. The word means tenth. I had a guy years ago come to my office. He was mad. He was, we were doing a membership class, and in the membership class we had where you, you agreed to pay 10% to the church. And he came to me and said, I agree with everything, but paying this 10%, that, I don't believe in that. It's under the law, the Old Testament law, the Mosaic law. And anyway, I believe in giving. I believe in a tithe. I just don't believe in giving. 10%. I'm trying not to laugh on the outside. I'm trying to hold it in because the guy didn't understand. I said, well, sir, do you know what, what the word tithe means? I do not. I just know it means me giving to God. I said, no, actually the tithe means 10th. That's what it means. And you can see the look on his face and he wasn't very happy and he was mad about it. But I said, in other words, it tells in the, in the Old Testament that we're to give a 10% of tithe of what we have earned. Now we know in the Old Testament it was livestock. We know in the Old, Old Testament it may have been what? It, it, it may have been an offering to the soul. We understand that. But as we look here, we begin to see that what happens is both of them present something to God, but one of them is accepted, one of them is not. Why? Because what Abel does is right away the first of what he had produced he brings to God. But what we find out is is what Cain produced the first of he does not give to God. See, as Pastor Josh shared with you last week, it's really not just about the tithe. Remember, I said this the first week. How many know God doesn't need your money? God, God's not up in heaven wringing his hands going, oh, oh my gracious, I, I just hope they come through today. Oh my God, if, 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 they, I'm t if Passion Church doesn't take up enough offering today and they don't give it to me, I don't know if I can pay the angels next week. I don't know what I'm gonna do. 
Remember I told you a couple of weeks ago that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's not about your money that God needs or wants your money. It's about God wanting to see if you will be faithful, if you will trust, if you will believe, if you will be obedient, if you will put God first. See, tithing isn't just about the tithe. It's not just a tithing issue. It's a timing issue. Will I give to God what belongs to God. Ezekiel says this in 44 verse 30. The best of all the first fruits and of all your special gifts will belong to the priest. You are to give them the first portion of your ground meal so that a blessing, a blessing may rest on your household. In other words, God said, if you'll be obedient, if you'll not only give a tithe, but you go above and beyond the tithe and you give a first fruits. I never forget, we had a guy at the church and I, I taught this one day and, and they had been struggling financially. And, and he said, well, pastor, we give a tithe, but we give it here or there. And we got to talking. And I started noticing every week on Friday, he would show up to the church. He would come in with an envelope and, and give it to the secretary and leave it. I, I asked him one day, I said, man, what are you doing? I've noticed about every Friday you're showing up to the church. He said, pastor, I'm bringing my tithe. I said, well, man, you know, you can bring it on Sunday when you come to church. He goes, oh, no, I can't. He said, you don't know me. He said, I'll be buying a candy bar. I'll be going to a movie. I'll be spending on something. I know me, pastor. And, and listen, if you don't mind, this is just the way I got to do it. He said, because I'm telling you, we started doing this. And ever since we started paying our tithe and giving our first fruit, ever since then, our family has been blessed financially. And I thank God for that. And I'm here to tell you, I'm not going to mess that up. I'm going to keep blessing and blessing and blessing the kingdom. So God will keep blessing and blessing and blessing my household. And I thought how powerful of a testimony of someone who was doing what God had called them to do. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 12, it says this, you are to give to the Lord the first offering of your womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belonging to the Lord, redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem, and I want you to hear this, this sounds harsh, okay? So if any of y'all have this, just don't go home and do this, okay? If you do not redeem it, break its neck. Wow. Why is he saying that? He's saying that because I'm telling you, if you don't give me the firstborn, if you don't give me the first fruits, if you wait and then at the end give it to me, this is what God is saying. It will not redeem the rest of the 90% because you gave it at the end instead of at the beginning. And what God is saying is, it is a waste of your time to give now because it won't bring the blessing because you want no obedient. And if you want no obedient, it's not gonna bless your household. And what he says is, you might as well just break his neck. Can you see sometimes even God kind of has a little bit of sarcasm. In other words, I say, Julie, she comes to bring me the tithe today. And when she comes to me, I've, oh, Julie, is this the, the, the first $100 of what you made this way? No, no, I've already bought some stuff and this and that, and I just take her $100, I go, and I rip it up and throw it back at her. In essence, that's what that verse is saying there. It's in vain. Why? Because God says, I never really needed your money to begin with. What I really want to do is see if you would trust me. 
Well, I've got $100 worth of, of bills and I made $100 this week, so I've got to put all of it toward my bills. No, you don't. You've got to take that first $10 and you got to give it to God because I'm here to tell you, God will always make the 90% go further than the 100% ever would because God will always be faithful to his word. Amen. You can clap to that, it's all right. Or don't clap, whichever one. The ones that clap, you got it, you trust it, you're doing it. The rest of you don't clap, you're not doing it and you're going to hell. I'm just playing. See, God didn't like that. Number two, write this down. Write this down. It's not about your finances, it's about his favor. It's not about your finances. It's about his faith. God wants to shine favorably upon you and your household. You know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is, is when the ark, they went to get the ark. Remember the story? And when, they drew, when, the, when the Israelites were trying to bring the ark back, they did it in the wrong way. They put it on the back of an ox cart and they did all this. They even, it even went to fall one time and a, and a guy reached up to grab it to, to save the ark from falling and he died on the spot. Y'all remember that story? They had to end up leaving. David had to end up leaving the ark there at a, house by the, at a man's house by the name of Obed-Edom. I love that name. I don't know why, Obed-Edom. How would you like if your parents called you that? Oh, bad, eat them. And when Oweb Edom gets there, his house is so blessed because he takes care of it and does what God tells him to do and God blesses his household. And how do we know that? Because we find when David finally comes back and takes the ark back to Jerusalem. I love this story because when he does, guess who is behind the ark when it's coming back in Jerusalem? If you go look at the names of those who are following the ark as it comes back in, sure enough written this as Obed-Edom. In other words, Obed-Edom said this, where the presence of God goes, I will go. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor. The, the word here, favor, it, it means this, to inspect or consider. Let me say this. Well, I'll just give God what I want to give him. He'll just accept it. No, he doesn't. Right here, the word favor means that when we give to God, God inspects it and considers whether it's worthy to receive Maybe like today you're praising God and you're not really praising God. You're just sitting there going through the motions and really you just got your hands raised. But as you got your hands raised, did, did I leave the oven on? I don't know. God, praise God. Where am I going to eat today afterwards? Oh, man, I tell you what, Longhorn sounds good. Do you think God is receiving your praise? No. Do you think God wants that kind of praise? No. See, with the attitude and the heart that we do things, God does check us, consider us, inspect us. See, this word right here, when he says he looked on favor, what it means is, is God actually looked down on what Abel had given, inspected it, considered it, and found it worthy. The word also here, that word favor means this, to depart, be dismayed, to look away. 
In other words, after he looked and inspected, the word favor means that God could actually look away from it. Are you saying if I gave a certain amount, would God look away? Yes, because I want you to understand it's not about the money itself. It's about the trust and the heart that it's given. The Bible says, determine in your heart what you're going to give. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. I watch some of you sometimes when you're giving. That poor usher has to pry that check out of your hand. You're like, oh, I don't want to give it. And what I would say to you when you're that way, Catherine does it all the time. They have to wrestle to the ground to get the check out of her hand. It's sad back there. Catherine, just don't give it anymore. Just quit. See, do, do you understand that when it comes to God, it, it, it's not just about, I say this all the time to myself, I don't care about your work, I care about your result. We can work hard all day long and not work smart and not receive the result we're looking for. We do it many times in the body of Christ, in the church. It's very simple. Listen, it's not about the finances to God. It's about he wants to bring favor on your life. He wants to bless you. In Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 35, it says this. We also assume responsibility for bringing to the house of the Lord each year the first fruits of our crops and every fruit tree. As it is also written in the law, we will bring the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle, of our herds and of our flocks to the house of our God, to the priests ministering to them. In other words, Nehemiah was making a promise. Even when he didn't know what would happen or the tough years that would come or when the finances would not always be good, when it would be struggling, when there'd be problems, he said, I don't care this promise I make you. We will bring the firstborn, the first fruits. We will bring it to God because God, we know that if we do your favor, your favor will be upon us. How many need some favor in your life today? I know I do, amen. I want some favor of God in my life. Number three, write this down. I'm running out of time. It's not about your tithe. It's about your trust. It's not about your tithe. It's about your trust. In Genesis 4, 6, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? There's so many times in my life that I want to pull a church member, a friend, or a Christian, or pastor aside and say, if you would just do what is right, if you would just be obedient, if you would just trust God. See, tithing first fruits is nothing more than God asking you to be obedient. Will you trust me? When I first got in the ministry, 
In fact, in the third service, I'm gonna do something today. I get to dedicate the child of the mother. She was the first child dedication I ever did. Something pretty special today. It makes me feel special, but it makes me feel old. I was 26 years old at the time. It was my first child dedication as a pastor. And they dedicated that child to the Lord and oh, she's turned out wonderful and God's blessed her life. She comes today to now dedicate her child back to God. In this passage, I'll never forget, and probably it was about that first year when I got to the church, that's when I dedicated this child. I was reading here in Genesis one day and I couldn't get away from it. God kept taking me back and back and back to the point I finally said, God, why am I reading this over and over again? In 1997, when I got this revelation, it changed my life. He said to Cain that day, if you do what is right, do you not know that you'll be accepted, taken care of, blessed, protected, watched over? But he said, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. The place that God kept taking you back to is this word crouching. So I finally went and looked it up in the Hebrew. The word for crouching here in the Hebrew means this, reclining. See, we got this picture of the devil breaking down our door, rushing into our home. But at that moment, I got a revelation. In essence, the devil is laying outside your door. Maybe in his recliner, his beach chair, drinking him some lemonade and eating some devil food cake. Or some deviled eggs. And every once in a while, he yells at you inside. You're going to fail. You're going to sin. This ain't ever going to work. You're going to mess up. I'm coming in. You better get ready. But it's just outside in his recliner and his beach chair. And his words are hollow until one thing happens. You open the door. See, the only power the devil has over you is the power you give him. At that moment, God showed me two door frames and one door. I can see it just as plain in my day, in my mind today as I did in 1997. And God told me that day, he said, there's two doorways, there's one door. When you're obedient to me, you shut the door to the devil. He has no power, no access over your life. He said, but the moment you open the door to the devil, you shut the door to me. And you allow the devil to come in 
and to do what he desires and wills in your life. See, when he said, it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. That is not the Lord saying you've got to learn how to, how to master sin. At that moment, here's what God was saying. The way you master sin is by being obedient to God. That's it. Pastor, what has this got to do with giving? If you want God to bless your finances, to take care of your household, it's not enough just to tithe. See, I don't just tithe. Before I ever listen, get even my money, automatically 10% comes out of my check and goes to my tithe. And I've done it for years. And my God has taken care of me. And it never was because my God needed my money. It was because my God wanted my heart, my trust, and my obedience. First things first. And let me say this. It doesn't just apply to your finances. When you wake up in the morning, the first thing you should do is pray. Why? God deserves the first part of your day. Why should I be coming to church every Sunday? As you begin a week, you should give God the first day of the week. If you'll start making God the first in everything, do you know what God will say to you? Do you not know then you'll be accepted, taken care of, and blessed? I want you to bow your head close your eyes. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.